0: I'm your host, William Leighton and welcome to Talent Equals, where we're exploring what talent can mean to you, while speaking with the most exciting people in the insurtech and fintech world. However you are listening to this show right now, invariably, you are utilizing the wonder material that is plastic. Plastic has changed the world. Its cheap and adaptive properties make it perfectly suited to a range of important functions the story of plastic is a perfect allegory for human society. It demonstrates our ability as humans to be both creative and destructive. And it's through this human yin and yang of potential that the plastic crisis our world faces today is being played out. So faced with tens of millions of tons of waste entering the ocean and landfill every year, what can humanity do? And here enters our guest today, David Katz, CEO and co-founder of Plastic Bank. David recognized the potential of plastic when it could be exchanged for services and goods that people really needed. And when the true value of plastic was recognized, then the entire narrative of plastic as waste could be changed. Plastic Bank is working in developing countries, many ravaged by poverty and resulting pollution to create a new currency definition. They are changing the story of plastic by enabling entrepreneurial collectors to freely exchange their collected plastic for things such as insurance, food, internet access, clothes, and anything else a normal store would offer for traditional fiat currency. And the resulting plastic can be recategorized as social plastic, sold back into the global supply chain for a premium product which brings dignity, while at the same time helping to solve a critical global problem. They are, for this reason, what I would describe as the best type of fintech. Plastic Bank are truly ambitious in reimagining value exchange within an ecosystem, in which the individual obtains a much-wanted benefit while virtuously creating benefits for the world. This is what fintechs and insurtechs should always be aiming at. And they do this while utilising simple principles of community-based distribution and then layering on more advanced technologies like blockchain architecture. In this conversation, David and I explore the philosophical principles needed to change the plastic narrative. We'll also discuss the mindset needed to tackle such a massive idea. And as normal, we'll be exploring what has gone into David's approach to building the team at Plastic Bank and much, much more. David is a deep thinker, and I feel there is so much more I'd love to explore with him in the future. So I do hope you'll return to the podcast. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And without further ado, I give you David Katz. David Katz, welcome to the Talent Equals podcast. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you, Will. Thanks for having me here. It's
2: beautiful.
0: Man, thank you so much. Well, look, David, I've been a huge fan of what you've been doing with Plastic Bank and um, been following your progress with some interest but for those out there who haven't maybe been stalking you as actively as I have, um, maybe you could tell, tell us what Plastic Bank is.
1: That's beautiful. Thank you for stalking me. We're, <laughs> we're, you know, we're, there's a bunch of ways to express what we are. You know, I, I think that, you know, because we're in a set context here later, but we're alchemists. We're modern alchemists. We're using a fourth industrial revolution technology, the blockchain, to transfer what was waste into absolute worth in the world. Well, So what are we doing? How does that show up? We're the world's largest chain of stores for the poor, where everything in the store can be purchased using plastic garbage, like school tuition, medical insurance, Wi-Fi, cooking fuel, everything the world's poor truly need struggle to afford, now available using garbage would otherwise flow into the ocean. Hmm. And all that plastic that we collect, we sell to great companies like Henkel and Hugo Boss and... Unilever, and all all kinds.
0: Marks and Spencers, which is an English institution, I think, as well. That's absolutely
1: beautiful. 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 Sure. The world's largest provider of marine debris for manufacturing.
0: Wow, really? So the world's largest provider of marine debris. That's a a heck of a stat. And so this plastic, I mean, most people are aware. Some people aren't. Plastic is a bit of an there's an epidemic of plastic waste in the oceans and on land as well, for that matter. So the premise of Plastic Bank is to take that, that waste and transform it, as you've said, into a an asset, right? So you've at so you the world's largest shop for this effectively in developing countries. So yet, where did that idea come from, David? And sort of just talk us through that that moment of realization that you needed to do something and how you set about doing it.
1: Well, we'll take a step back too, because ultimately the mission is to monetize resources. It's to be able to create a platform where every piece of packaging is truly revealed as the high valuable item that it is. I, I, I I use this story often about walking over a field of diamonds. And if you're to walk over a field of diamonds, you think you've got lots of wealth below you. But you simultaneously recognize that there's no bank that you could spend any of the diamonds at. No one will share anything with you. No one will barter anything with you. They're ultimately useless to you. Even though they're diamonds, they sit on the ground worthless. It's really what we do in communities. We reveal the inherent value in that petroleum resource in such a way that it becomes money for the world. The only reason diamonds, which are not scarce, are valuable is because there's agreed upon exchange methodology for it by color, by type, by carrot, all those things. And so that's what we've done for materials, for plastic, and more importantly, and although we're stewarding the ocean, well, the real ambition here is to end poverty. Because when the, we use plastic as money for the world, what can occur? How many more children get to go to school? How much less you know stunted growth will we experience? How many other you know beautiful opportunities can unfold in front of us by using what was waste as money?
2: So
1: mm. that ultimately, I think is important to communicate. Now it's been. But, you know, a powerful and profound journey. And the idea came May the 11th, 2013, right before lunch. So I was seeking.
0: <laughs> you remember it. That's very, very specific. I like that like, time. Sure.
1: <laughs> it was a big moment. I mean, it really was this like, you know, but I was seeking it. Like I've always been an entrepreneur. I've never had a job. I've always just been growing and struggling. And, you know, I just have a tenacity for, and capacity for uncertainty. and. In my youth, growing up on the west coast of Canada, began witnessing the degradation decades ago, and I've mm. always been searching loosely for a solution. I then came to a point in my entrepreneurial life where I was exiting a business; I was acquired, and and in the growth of that, I came to a place where I felt purposeless as well, where where my day to day, the business itself was taken care of. I had management; there was recurring revenue; it was. But I felt lost. I was empty. And that's really when I began to give myself more into marine debris and the stewardship of, of marine life. And um, I attended an event in Silicon Valley that was a Singularity University, as maybe some listeners would have heard of. And, mm. and the greatest minds come together to talk about these transformative opportunities to work on the global grand challenges, those challenges that affect humanity. And one of the seminars there was on 3D printing or additive manufacturing. And I was able to witness a single strand of plastic transformed and turned into a belt, turned into something of value and use. We had this like 70s look to it. It was really fascinating. And I asked, I said, well, how much does the belt sell for? $80 was the answer. That's fascinating, $80. What's the material price, the material cost? $10. Like, okay. oh. So hold on. The only thing that was determining the value of the material was its shape. And inside of that, I had the paradigm that the reason that there's so much material in the environment was because it was the way we were viewing the material, it was the shape of the material, the bottle, the packaging, that had society think that it was disposable or free or worthless. So maybe inside of it, if we could change the paradigm inside the mind of the person, that that shape now means the end of poverty, it means the end of stunted growth, it means the end of of, of inequality, the end of suffering, that could be the nucleus to change. Mm. And then the rest of it, of course, was how do we make it into money for the world? Because the poor don't throw money away. Mm. So that was the beginning of the plastic bank. But actually, it wasn't the beginning of the plastic bank. Absolutely not. That was the idea of the plastic bank. But, you know, you know, the subsequent thought to the idea was the ego mind. The, you know, it's an important conversation. I like to have this, I like to broadcast this because I think it's critically important. I had the idea of the plastic bank and all of the noise of it all. It was so loud, so like, oh, plastic this, that, the other, the hair in the back of my neck stood up. And I was, oh, I felt it. I was like, oh, wait, this is something powerful. This is an idea. It will just be one idea amongst thousands that we need, but this could, this will make change. You know, so the, the plastic bank was born not in that first idea. It was just the idea. And the second thought was the ego mind that showed up and you know the you know the ego is never a friend it doesn't show up and say you're amazing you can do it <laughs> it shows up and says, what, who are you and how are you going to do that? And you're going to build a supply chain working with the most impoverished people in the world and violent communities, the illiterate, trying to sell the big companies, uh, so many different tasks. And you're going to do international shipping and shipping lines and freight forwarding. And you're going to try to recycle material. You know nothing about anything. It was just all of these loud thoughts. Like, why what? What are you going to do? put up posters to try to engage the poor? Who are you? <laughs> And it was easy at that moment to say, oh, it's too big. Hmm. Where the communication is that it came in the third idea, this this quiet, still, conscious moment. It was calm. And And the voice just said, David, you don't need to be that person. You only slowly need to become that person. And it became available for me in that idea. Because you're right, I didn't need to be that person at all. I could get to become it.
2: Mm.
1: And I could easily do that. I could learn more today than what I knew yesterday. And I could just slowly be in the application of it all. I could endeavor to learn what I needed to learn. And so that really is where the birth of the plastic bank came. It came in the third thought, the third thinking of it all. I'm
0: I'm curious about that space that you talked about in the third instance, the space in which you find that quiet voice yeah. to, to find yeah, the, the, the true voice maybe, or the voice that's sort of more, yeah, how'd how you, how'd you get there? I mean, how have you got some methodology for that? Is there some way?
1: I, you know, it, it ended, it, it gave me this. So what I experienced in the end was a moment of consciousness a moment of an awakening. For for, the, for all of the importance and all of the gift and, you know, let me communicate that as being a blessing. I received a blessing. Let's call it a blessing. If we want to give it some context, I guess,
2: hmm.
1: and that then gave me, because the last thing that I was, was conscious. The last thing that I was, was awake when I had this idea, I was so caught in the path, so caught in the story of self, the diminishment of self, who I thought I was and who I wasn't. Hmm. And so it began the journey of it all. And through that I, I, you know, I you know, as I gave myself to it, as I decided, I once I had the decision to have this come to life, Providence started to work in my favor. And I started being able and receiving those things, those messages. And I received Alan Watts and Michael Singer and Eckhart Dole and and all of the others that, that, you know, in this this powerful place to find a space in between the thoughts in my mind and who I am.
0: Who is Alan Watts? Sorry, if I'm going to show my uh, humongous ignorance here, my friend. So you tell me, who's Alan Watts?
1: Alan Watts is also a beautiful, a real predecessor to many of the teachers of today of consciousness. He was popular in the 60s and 70s as a thought leader of consciousness, of awakening, and really being, you know, one of the universe. I got a lots, lots of esoteric and kind of woo woo conversations. We really ever, we really are the universe having a experience as a human for just a fraction of a moment, mm. and and there's a power in all of that. You know, what I, you know, what am I in awareness of? Is that there? I'm confident that there have been countless amazing ideas, countless like just world changing, paradigm shifting humanity shifting, society shifting ideas that died because the person who had the idea was afraid. Mm. They thought it was beyond them. The ego mind showed up and said, You can't do that. Who are you? And the person believed that I
0: I think I, I resonate with that. I think I think for most entrepreneurs actually talked about being an entrepreneur and I wonder actually if that sort of crucible of you know fear and you know just giving it a go, but experiencing failure and getting back up again is sort of the, the crucible of being an entrepreneur.
1: There's just that there's no failure. There's only learning and becoming. That's all of it too, part of entrepreneurship.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I suppose maybe it's a, I mean, I think there's a kind of a, a narrative I hear you talking about there. It's like changing the story. And, you know, I, I think in, in all experience in life,
1: well, I, mean, I would, I would argue that it's not about changing the story. It's choosing the story. Okay. It's not about it see to change the story is to say that i accept some other story to begin with and then i change it that's not the case it's just that the way i view life i view life as being a gift yeah i view life as being a process of learning i view life as being abundant i view life as being infinite that's the way that i just show up in the world Mm. there is no choice i mean there is choice but just in the context here it's not like i had to choose differently and to give myself the capacity to say, oh, no, no, you know, that's super bad and hurtful and it's horrible and stuff. And then I'm going to choose something to no, it's, it's, it's as it is. There's more power in that.
0: Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I suppose I would counter that. I think for a lot of people who may be set in a narrative who have who are experiencing the world in a certain way. Yeah, totally. and, 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 I, and I think that's the point of, you know, and if my own experience of working with, um, you know, my own development and many adults have to change their development because. And they do that through changing a narrative, yeah. I agree,
1: yes. You have the moment to then to say, wait a second, that was a narrative I chose. Oh, hold on a second, let me choose something different. Yeah. I 100% agree. I just, Mm. I allude that the end in mind there is that at some point as you begin to practice that, you recognize that the first narrative was also a choice.
2: Mm.
1: You chose that narrative. It didn't come with a narrative. Mm. You just chose it to be a way. And then what happens over the course of time is that your choice changes at the outset.
0: Yeah, I I, I remember interviewing a few, I've interviewed a few entrepreneurs on the show. And I think, I mean, one with uh, David Soloff, where he talked about, you know, being an entrepreneur, you know, it's, there's nothing like it, you know, in, in the morning, you can be on the top of the world. But in the afternoon, you can feel like you want to shoot yourself in the face, um, and it's and it's like, <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I can really understand it. You know, half the time I think I'm flying high, and then you know a client pulls the rug out from underneath you, and you're like, damn, where did that all that joy go? But that that is an allegory for life in that story. That's an allegory for all of the experiences we have, and I'm. I'm very, I, I did really like resonate with this kind of the hearing you talk among other things, because I'm thinking to myself, you know, plastic, what a, what a like a horrendous thing. Right. But then I think of all the good it does as well. You know, how, how it's become a, you know, a, a sort of a hermetically sealing product, which has allowed for transportation of, you know, kind of medical goods and, you know, it's lightweight and it's
1: and space flight yeah. and all the- God, please the plastic is amazing
0: exactly yeah. right isn't it interesting how like i know i've got it i mean it's, it's around me all It's my headphones it's in everything we're using but at the same time it's in the water and it's killing us and it's like
1: So it's, it's not the plastic come on it's, it's the way we view it it's the way we disregard it mm. you know i'll ask the question again if every piece of packaging or every piece of material you saw was five dollars how many would you see in the environment, how many do you see in the water? No, no, none. Yeah, it's zero to do with plastic. It's not the plastic degrades us and our carelessness and our, our our lack of value over people and thing and life. Mm. And really, I mean, people know that it's degrading to the environment. They know that it's killing, you know, the gift of marine life, and yet they still discard it. It's us, man. It's got zero to do with the materials. It does anywhere else in the world too. It's just so easy for people to want to blame someone else.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good point to raise actually. And you did say in one of, I've, I've read, I listened to one of the other presentations where you talked about this idea of turning off the tap. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was a, an, an interesting story because I hear in this that if we just stop producing plastic, which we could, we have enough of it to probably recycle into everything that we need anyway. Which goes to that point of we could still use plastic, but just use it in a way which is responsible and that is, you know, treats it with the, the the value that it has. I really believe that, you know,
1: in a lifetime from now we're not gonna be taking material resources or like this petroleum resource like the plastic and we're not gonna be putting it on the curb and someone's gonna gonna be taking it to a landfill. It's not gonna occur. Humanity is gonna return all of that material as a resource into manufacturing. Of course that's when it's unfolding.
2: Hmm.
1: of course it is just like the electrification of, of, of cars so once you have the awareness once you've driven an electric car you would never go back to the other way why, why, why? I would never drive a combustion engine vehicle again
0: ever yeah I'm with you there I, mean, I, I still talk to, I, I I look I, I've had a Tesla now for about three years and um it it's c- completely changed my perception of driving and I have to explain that to other people like my my concept of driving has entirely highly shifted in only three years, like what it should be. And it's still like, um, I see people living in a different, almost like a different world when they're a view of driving, but that will change. And I suppose this is the same thing about plastic, right?
1: We can't condemn the ignorant,
2: mm. Mm.
1: but knowing not doing differently, that's a different conversation. Well, I suppose that,
0: that brings me to a question I have for you actually, because, you know, observing what plastic bank is doing and, you know, you, you work in some of the most deprived places in the world. You're, I mean, I, I remember watching about Haiti. and It was one of those examples where you have that, these collection stations, and people can bring along their plastic, and you mentioned exchange them for other goods. So you're helping those sort of local plastic collecting entrepreneurs to sort of change their life by, you know, giving them a, a commodity to shift for other products. And um, you know, for my audience who are in fintech and insurtech, you know, we've talked about insurance and insurance solutions for these people to give them, which is which is amazing all through plastic so we're talking about changing their lives right but then there's also like the people who are buying this social plastic or this um responsible plastic right um i think you call it what you call it social plastic is that right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and and people here like rich people like in developed countries who may feel like oh i know plastic is bad but like <laughs> like it's easy right or they feel like it's just easy and i'm whatever i'm throw it away so sort of what do you say to that that paradigm for them like exploring that like a sense of overwhelm with the problem and um being part of the solution do you have something to say to to them
1: i i have a hope for the next generation i have i even have knowing that this greta generation this one that. Sent tens of millions of students out into the streets around the world are not going to be doing business with organizations that will continue to kill or pollute. The change is coming and it's coming not from within. Now, not only do I see this wave of change for business, this regeneration economy, but it's in part supported by the polluter's inability to hire quality staff. We see a whole generation wanting to live their life of purpose. Hmm. Thankfully, we're at a place like that. I I only express those because, you know, I, I love the saying that a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Do I have anything to say to people who are still polluting and, and consuming and all that? No, because I can't convince them against their will. I do not need to convince the Greta generation. That's why we see the proliferation of used clothing stores and everything else. You know, We see a change emerging. Are we another generation away? Probably.
2: Mm.
1: You know, the world is gonna be fine. It was Earth Day yesterday, and I I hesitate on Earth Day because I because I just feel that it's just so I don't know, it just it seems to be ironic. Because it's not about the Earth at all. The Earth is going to be fine. It's been spinning in space for billions of years, and it'll be way better when we're not here. It's not Earth Day. It's keep human keep humanity alive day. Out <laughs> of the ten billion species that have ever been on the Earth, we the only species that has the ability to steward all other life. Yeah, only species that's ever existed that has that power. And yet we don't do it. We act like a virus. Earth Day, please. Yes.
0: Yeah, get your shit together humanity day maybe correct yeah, correct it's not, it's not quite as punchy as a day maybe i need to work on the
1: uh
0: i know i i feel this because you know i i did plastic free my wife and i did plastic free for i think it was about eight months um oh it was hard oh my god it was expensive totally. it was like relentlessly difficult but yeah. it was quite rewarding as well but we have slipped out of that now because it one it was very difficult to maintain at 100% so we had to scale it back and then the pandemic hit and what was a you know previously we were able to purchase has disappeared because everything got wrapped in cellophane as soon as it happened and um it was really difficult it was really, really difficult. You don't even need to
1: do plastic free. You need to do waste free. Yeah. So just ensure that everything is recycled. It goes to the right spot. It's not about the plastic. Like I get it. And yes, we need to be able to reduce as much demand on single use material as possible. And we need to walk into a store and demand that they use less of that and that they have more sustainable or regenerative products and packaging that's recycled than all the rest of it. But I, I, it's, I think it's futile. I'm just, and forgive me, I cut you off a little bit. I just, I react to that. Because I, I hear it all the time. It's like, no, we have to eliminate plastic. Well, good luck. There's 10 trillion kilos on the earth. And if we remove all economic value in the material, we're peffed. If we remove all economic value in the material or we replace the material with something else and we don't go and collect or recycle any of it that's out there, then we're doomed. Yeah, so It's waste not plastic free that i advocate for but those are just my personal well, that, that's an interesting
0: point and and i take it and i i've got to be honest with you like the, the the paradigm for me was i just felt like there's a tsunami and my way to react against it was to just try and you know do my yep. bit and i think my wife you know as infinitely wise as she is said you know i think there's probably a better way to do this where we could be moderate our, you know our intake and then sort of you know advocate for the things that we're talking about, you know, just, just be waste free, Um, much more, it's wasteless. And I, and I, I get that. And I think that's actually kind of, I think where I come back to this, this point that we're talking about and this idea of like paradigm shift for humanity, how we, you know, really change our, our perception of what, how we should act, how we should be and, and, and what we are willing to accept and what we're not. Um, and that is like, I, that's why I really admire what you've done with Plastic Bank. Because, you know, I stood, you know, last year and looked at this problem and felt hugely overwhelmed and did my bit, you know, the way I could do it was to sort of go through a bit of, you know, hair shirt. That was me. Plastic free, damn it. I won't be part of the problem. Um, but you've kind of set a plastic bank and I think that's fantastic. And it's a different type of sacrifice. So I suppose like I, I, I sort of want kind to of, sort of steer this a little bit now because i'm I'm fascinated by you know founders who are encountering these like huge enormous problems and we've talked a bit about how you've got to steal that voice but i'm I'm intrigued by the partnerships that you've got to create to make it successful and you know i again I'm serving the fintech and the insurtech world here um and I wonder about these partnerships you have to create in the process you've gone through and how you've gone about convincing people that it's worthwhile partnering with you guys to buy plastic at the rate you cost they have to when versus virgin cheap plastic maybe you could talk to us a bit about that
1: we we don't (laughs) (laughs) oh good there we go (laughs) you know I, i at first like my goodness it was like it was horrible it was like you know there were some giant fmcgs that that spoke about being sustainable they talked about being leading in the world but it was just the you know thin air the thin 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 words and so at first i i, I thought that i would just invite them and that they would but i will go back to my my you know this little quote that a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still what we're doing now is just finding people who want what we got mm-hmm. I don't have to convince them anymore, and I'm not going to convince them anymore because there's no end of people who want to make change in the world. There's no end of staff. There's no end of movement. There's no end of consumers that 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 aren't putting up with it anymore. They're making the demand. I don't need to do it. They do. And with as I ask everybody, to go into the store or go into any grocery store. Ask the clerk, ask the manager, say, Oh, could you point out those things that have recycled content in them? We're really trying to be waste free. And I, I know I got to buy some plastic, but could you show me the ones because that's the ones that I want to buy? Are you aware of the ones? And they'll probably say, No, but like what? But you created a paradigm for the store manager, for management to then make a request to the supplier. Mm. So that the brands, so the cust- you're not the customer of the brands. You're the, the retailer is the customer of the brand. You're the customer of the retailer. And so the brands will give the retailer what the retailer wants. The retailer will give you what you want. So if you go in and say, that's what I'm looking for, and we can create an army of people saying, we're looking for more recycled content. We want things that look recyclable. We want things that look that they were recycled. We want that. We want that that makes change for society. That's what they'll end up getting you. you, Every time you buy something, you vote. Mm. That's as simple as that. So what we see occurring now is that we have a wave of change. We have a sea of change and consumers are looking for those products that that, that have heart. Mm. And they then come to us and the brand's like, oh, hold on a second. We're looking for something because consumers are asking. We see that it's occurring. We can't hire staff. Nobody wants to work for us. I know we've sucked forever, but let us redeem ourselves by making some change. And we're here to receive them. Uh, what is the demand like
0: for the social plastic?
1: crazy. We probably have, I, don't know, I, would, I would say on average, 10 inquiries a day.
0: Ten a day as well. Wow. Is, is this, is the cost of social plastic per ton significantly different then to a, um, virgin plastic?
1: Well, it's like comparing, like I'm only going to have a conversation with you because it's podcast. because I would people have you thinking here, but it's like saying, it's like, Oh, is a Toyota more expensive? Is it, is it significantly different than a Bentley? Well, of course it is. They're the two totally different things. Mm. So, you know, it's hard to compare. Mm. Although people want to compare because they're both, you know, materials or, 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 you know, this, you know, chemical compound. But, you know, in the end, the way we price it, we price our material in a way that actually changes the world because we have to pay the poor enough that they want to go get it. Mm. You can't just continue to diminish people. You can't say, oh, we should pay as little as possible. But you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Like you can't, you've got, it. something has to change. And it's because the low price of petroleum, the low price of, 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 of that, that's, that's ultimately, you know, causing additional degradation in the environment. You can't go to the poor and say, hey, pick up a thousand little sachets and we'll give you five pennies. It's a kilo, every sachet is a, is a, is a gram. You want them to pick up a thousand individual pieces of plastic so that you can give them five cents? Get stuffed. You want them to go and collect, you know, dozens and dozens or hundreds and hundreds of bottles for pennies, get stuffed. That just degrades society. It, it, it creates recycling as a poverty trap. Mm. Nothing changes with that. So What has to change is we have to create incentives so that the collectors actually have food. They can actually live. They don't have to have their children employed because they don't have enough money for food. They actually have some hope. They have the ability to save a little bit, have an insurance product, be able to be a part of society where they can now start thinking of other people. So we advocate for appropriate pricing. Mm. Mm. It's not like five times more. It's not two times more. It's 30% more. Big deal.
2: Mm.
1: Big deal because your package itself, you're paying a couple of dollars a kilo for your bottles. So your bottle itself maybe is only costing you five or six pennies. You're afraid to pay to have, to have an additional one penny cost on the bottle that you sell for four dollars. Stop it. Stop it, everybody. Come on. And use it as an additive if you need. Add 30%, 40%, 50%, 10%. I don't care.
2: Mm. Just
1: start using the material that actually helps the society, the world, transform and awake.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, you're preaching to the choir here. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I I was one of those guys in the supermarket, staring off, saying, "Can you put that meat in in my Tupperware box, please?" And, th- and they'd look at me like I was like mentally unwell. And um, but you know what? Slowly but surely, the shops have changed. They've changed.
1: Oh, yeah, they, I had I seen them. I've seen. Like, oh, geez, which shop was it locally that said, you know, I, I maybe pre-COVID, I don't know, but you know, uh, give it, bring in your container and we'll put our, we'll put everything in your container. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. But it saves them money too.
0: Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's, it's a virtuous circle and it, and it makes a lot of sense, but you know what? It's that brings to mind because there's a big movement in fintech at the moment, um, and insurance for that matter where, you know, startups are coming up and they're trying to figure out a way to connect with their customers. Right. And you know, the, the, look, take banking, for example, you can now spend for about twenty five thousand pounds and get something called a bank in a box. So you go to a company, they provide you all of the infrastructure and the banking necessities that you have to start a bank. Can you believe it? And it's twenty five grand. Um, and what's happening is it's like this commoditization of these otherwise what we used to think of being very, very expensive you know ex- experiences. And so increasingly, the the Greta generation that we talk about and others who who care are saying, well, what identity do I get with that product that I buy, you know, actually, does it help me be the person I want to be? And, you know, this, I mean, it's like my, I'm wearing Patagonia here. People can't see it if you're not looking at the thing, but I'm wearing Patagonia because the book, when I read Evan um, Chanel's book, you know, um, let my people go surfing and and what they mean, it just blew my mind. And I thought that's when I wear this, this jumper, not only is it keeping me warm, but it also keeps me warmer in like a sense of, my soul. Like, I feel like I'm part of a solution, a company that cares, that's recycling. And it's the same with financial services. And they're doing this idea now much more. There's a couple that come to mind, like Tree Card, who signed up. I think even before they launched their product, they signed up 120 odd thousand customers because every time you spent $60 with your credit card, they used the interchange rate to plant a tree. And it was this idea of shifting the sense of what this purchase means. And yeah. and i I think that's what you tapped into a long time ago. And that's why I'm I'm fascinated to see how it continues. This 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 growth continues. So I I wonder about that. What is the thing that that you've visited for Plastic Bank going forward? What are the things that are going to help you do more and, and go further?
1: The way that the value is revealed in the eyes of the consumer, whether they be in the emerging market or not. The gamification and centification you see, it's not its not the dollars or the pennies that the collector gets, but it's what, what it provides that is the value. So for instance, like school tuition, when families return plastic to pay for school tuition, it's not the plastic or the $20, but it's the end of poverty that is the paradigm. The end of poverty, that makes the plastic priceless. How do you value the end of poverty in a family that didn't have the ability to have their children go to school before. It's priceless. Or like insurance products, like which is what I love. We want to add more and more to that. So that you know what is peace of mind to you? What is the ability to know that you won't be destitute if something happens to the income earner of the family? It's priceless. For us, we continue to need to find more of that incentive. Every region has its its ability to capture the attention of the society. Mm. For us, it's about not collectors, but the individual household. So what we're endeavoring to do right now as we're going into Cameroon is understanding how much material is coming into the average household on a monthly basis between paper, aluminum, plastic, and other material resources. So we have an understanding what value is that and then what can we possibly, what can we leverage with that value? Let's say it's $2 a month. So $2 a month, wow, what can I get? What can I, what can I provide of value that would way far exceed the $2 of value of material? Mm. And those are things like banking, financial inclusion, insurance, education, communications. What kind of basic earned income can I provide to society? That the only thing you need to do. Is return the materials that come into your house that would have otherwise been viewed as waste. Mm. That's the endeavor. Every single household, no matter where you are in the world,
0: that's how you grow by getting that that desire for the the process of recycling, the desire the exche- the value of exchange in the products you, you provide. Like
1: I would never even consider throwing my plastic away. Mm. No one touch it. Because that's what gives me my insurance. That's what allows us to have communications. That's what allows me to have the ability to borrow money. That's what allows me to have a sense of worth in the planet. That is my material. Mm. You know, I, I don't throw it. Away. I wouldn't burn it. That'd be ridiculous. You know, what I
0: feel when I hear you say that, though, is like as a consumer, and I'm wondering the aisles as a my local supermarket is something called Waitrose, and it, most people who hear me bring on know that it's kind of the posh supermarket, and. um I love it there right I love going shopping there it feels great but and, and I go in there but I think t- to touch a product that has your plastic in that I can go my god this might have helped somebody send their kid to school or you know get health insurance when they broke their leg they don't they're not destitute right. you know that right. for me is what I would love to feel a bit more I, I that's a story I think that needs to be told more I mean it's one of the reasons I got you here because I think I want to spread this story further.
1: It's coming, like are even with um, or with one of the world's largest car manufacturers, with their new electric line, where we're going to be in the seating of the vehicle. Hmm. So they they found you know fishing netting for the floor mats, and then social plastic for the seat. Fantastic. So the consumer has the ability to to choose it, and they have powerfully made it an option so that people have want to choose that say oh i choose to i choose regeneration i choose saving the ocean and they can drive that and feel amazing about that car
2: mm. electric
1: like vehicle as well yeah so that's what that's that was that was the intention I, it's kind of slower than i thought but i recognized at first that i'd build a brand and the my customers would then promote us mm. they would share the story so we don't spend any on advertising we just let their customer do it and then there's earned media because the story is powerful. You know, we just collected our first billion bottles, a thousand million bottles, thousand million. They are all the hands that had to go into that, everything else that had to occur, every interaction, every transaction, every digital transaction, all of the all of the application that we've had to continue building out, and it's it's still got a long way to go. All the supply chain, all the collectors, all of the all of the people, all of the lives, all of the money. Wow, billion bottles, and it's only it's only like something like sixteen hours or seventeen hours of consumption. Human consumption. We go through a million bottles a minute. It took us a year. Or it Took us a long a lot longer than that to collect the billion.
0: It's an incredible number, and you you talk about many hands making and touching those products and bringing them together, and that you know what, one of the things the purpose of talent equals this, this show is to explore this idea of talent and like what talent means. And because I'm, you know, I, I, I recruit people. I spend all of my time building teams of people who are trying to do great things. And, you know, I've come to realize that, you know, if you want to do something significant, you're going to have to have great people around you to help you achieve those things. And so I sort of wonder, I mean, when you've got a purpose driven business like you have, it, it must be so much easier to connect with those people. But I, I suppose what I, I was just wondering: building Plastic Bank and, you know, building your team in, I think you're in Canada, but then you've got them all over the world as well now. Right. Um, are there sort of values or, or that you've identified as being universal in sort of the high performing people you bring into your business and do you focus on values when you bring them in? Tell, tell me a bit about the way that you
1: focus on values, values led organization. Hmm. I, I wrote an unpublished book called Context, which is just that, about the values and about manifesting the destiny of any organization by powerfully choosing which actions being the consideration that values are verbs. Values are verbs, they're actions. What actions would we have to be in the continuous execution of to lead us to success? And so for us it's, you know, there's a double entendre, because I paint a story with it's a gather together. It's like Certainly, it's to gather the material, but for us, it's to be the conduit where the world comes together. So when we can c- connect our brands together, the brands end and ultimately end up connecting the consumers together. As we connect them, that powerful change helps them gather the material from the environment. So, our emphasis in the organization certainly is a sales organization. We need to continue collecting people, gather the world together, go find more, people, find more 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 collectors, find more people, gather together. It's what we do on a daily basis. The entire organization is a sales organization, is we must be. And so it speaks of that. And then there's this, you know, to reveal, you know. So, To reveal, it's to reveal the the human, to reveal the value, and it talks about how we then have have that story on the on the package and the brand. How do we reveal the value of the material in such a way that it's not viewed as as waste anymore? How do we value the human then that also participated in revealing the value in the material? So that's the nucleus of it. So how do we continue to evolve as a marketing and communications company where we can reveal stories and add more people feel connected to what we do? Hmm. that's the retention find customers keep them and then you know i get to the best for last to answer the question but then becoming which i which i add as a paradigm you know as i took away from this very moment that i had the, the idea of the company this becoming i only get to become the person so i create the space for people to be in execution so for us it's about you know you know the best of the enemy the good enough and if you're in an organization where people are afraid to make mistakes, you're, you're just building dysfunction because then people are covering their ass, you're not learning from your mistakes, you're not sharing, people aren't trying, there's not enough risk, it's not coming out fast enough, and we need urgency. So becoming speaks to all of that and the individual themselves. Now, when I become, when I add that that becoming, which ultimately is a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. So growth mindset with the last value, which is the verb of love, to do for people, to serve people. So when we truly are in the infinite space of that of love, which is a, which is a space that occurs from being out here, not in our own mind, but coming out into the infinite space and being able to work and serve people. So when we're truly serving, I'm serving the brands, I'm serving consumers, I'm serving the collectors, I'm serving the material, I'm serving the supply chain, I'm serving my staff, I'm serving the world, Mm -hmm. then we're in this place of abundance. So we're in this place of service with a growth mindset. How do we always get better at that? How do I get better all the time? Who am I in the world? And so everyone in the organization, their role is to replace themselves. So because we're growing so quickly, your role is to be in such a such a way that, that that your role ultimately is easily filled. So you create the methodology, you create the systemization, you create whatever else is required, we agree on the KPIs so that you can then transition. Mm. You need to become with us. And so when your growth mindset and you're curious and you're really smart and you're looking for solution all the time and you're looking to implement those solutions, then then the company miraculously kind of shows up. Mm. I don't answer questions for people. I'm not there. And sometimes, sometimes it's just sometimes it's in a discussion, but rarely where people come to me with a with a question. I just a- ask a question back. Right? If I keep answering things, I diminish them. There's no becoming when I tell you what to do. You know. So I have got to create the space for people to show up to be self actualized. Mm.
0: So how do you do that? How do you create that space? Because that's that's easier said than done my friend david oh, uh, that, yeah. you know that is like you know i'll create a space for you i mean i i know from my experience of recruiting people is like this you know i think i think inherently i, I never want to say there's a bad person because i think you know we get too easily locked into this idea of saying i've got a great candidate for you and so the the, the opposite of that i've got a bad candidate this person's a bad person yeah, right. and, and even toxic people are just probably making the wrong choices and they're just experiencing
1: doing the wrong thing so they're in their own ego line they're scared yeah. or you know want to be liked or not be you know dismissed or whatever
0: it might be but when you get those people who are we let's sort of characterize them as maybe being troubled or bad i'm going to use the, same, wrong, the wrong phrase you know, people
1: who are, who are presently not doing you know societally acceptable things yes yeah. or, or corporate but they're just people and they have the ability to become again all the time yeah Now, I we love all of them i just don't need to hire them when they're in that state
0: yeah absolutely so how do you open? How do you open that space then for them? David? What's what's some of the?
1: the- so how do you identify that person? How do you how do you bring in those people? You know how do you identify that someone has like you know? So I I love the question. I'll ask you. Well, you know. So Will, tell me about the books in your personal development library.
0: Okay. Um. Well, here's one that sits on my desk with me all the time, and this one is um, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. This is the oh, uh, this is the uh, Gregory Hayes one. Um. I mean, that's one of I'm the, sure you've got a whole library. um, that, that I've got, I've got some behind me as well. I mean, one of the other ones is, you know, poetry, I mean, David White, um, the bell and the blackbirds It's one of my favorites okay, where,
1: and where else do you go for learning and what are you learning currently? See, the, yeah. th- these are my questions. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what's your personal development library. And if they look at me like what? <laughs> like, what, well, why would I, then, then obviously you're not a learning, curious person. You need to be curious. Mm. You need to be seeking knowledge. Seeking what you don't know. You need to be in the place of thinking, "Oh, I don't know yet." Does that mean I would have sure. sailed through
0: your interview, David? If I would have pulled out 25.
1: <laughs> you know, the additional the follow-up question is, "It's fantastic. Tell me about what you did with what you learned."
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Tell
1: me how you applied it in your life. Mm. That's different because knowing and not doing is like not knowing. So, mm. I don't care if you read, but what did you do? How did you transform? How did you change? Show me those times in life. Give, give me those moments of your life where you had a paradigm shift and you became new again. That's what I look for. Because those people, you know, like I take a, you know, John Maxwell, you're you know, author of leadership. Most companies hire people for what they know and then fire them for who they are. Mm. Truth.
0: Yeah, of I, think, I think I think in um one of my one of my favorite books actually with um, Ray Dalio and Principles, and he talked about. At Bridgewater, realising very, very quickly that competencies, skills were the least strong indicator or not that they would fit the organisation. Exactly. And um, I'm working on a book on this very topic about values and motivations-based recruitment. and, And I found that, yes, it's one thing. You were absolutely right to talk about competencies, talk about their current understanding of the world, like what they've developed so far. But what's really more interesting to me is the way they see the world through their values, because that's a better indicator on what they're going to do in the future. Right. You know, if I, if I lead with humility and integrity, then when I see a problem in an organization, I'm much more likely to put my hand up and go, that's not right. And I'm much more likely to then behave in the right way that we want them to behave. And you talked about it, have a growth mindset because of that. And I think this is something that's really misunderstood. And maybe when we're in organizations that feel a bit uncomfortable talking about values because they're not values led organizations or purpose driven businesses it's much more difficult to talk about um, and that's prevalent in banking and I think in in insurance as well because it's it almost seems a little bit because a lot of the things you're saying to me david could be seen as being a bit alternative you know you know talking about actualization on on realization on becoming but these are like ancient philosophies, right? These are
1: they're ancient philosophies. They're, a type, they're <laughs> principles. They're <laughs> principles. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a time, for Pete's sakes. Totally. Yeah. You know, I, I think that we, we, we wound up in a place in society where we, where we began communicating that we need to spend our way out of the hardships of war or wherever it began. And we began to attach our sense of value in that that we had, that that we acquire, mm. not in who we are. And so people began racing for a thing that we lost sight of who and why. Mm. So, I mean, there's a thousand reasons behind it, I don't know, I only some conjecture about it. But I know that my organization, in my organization, people are profoundly touched and inspired into action. And they love working with us and they love the change and they get to witness the change and we share those stories and they participate in the stories and they see, you know, the lives of collectors who are improving and we get those words of encouragement all of the time. You know, I, I, I work 14 hours a day. It's not, that's not, but I, I, again, I hesitate on the word, you know, I had this conversation that, you know, it's not work. It's just, I, I'm just, I'm just in action all the time. It's really beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful
0: i i mean i thoroughly appreciate what you guys are doing in in fighting this good fight i i i feel that as well like the the stories that you've told so far and building an organization for people where they can feel purpose-driven that has got to be one of the greatest achievements for any entrepreneur where they can look at the people around them and feel like they're getting a satisfied life for the work that they're doing
1: and it's totally possible for everyone everyone has the opportunity to do it you know you're spending the same amount of time being a I don't know, selling, you know, scotch tape, colored scotch tape. You, you tell, We only have that. We only have the present moment. You can decide where you want it to be. Yeah. And, and I would say that there's a different paradigm when we want to serve others. When you actually set out with the intention like, oh, I'm going to go serve as many people as I can and build abundance in the world. It's a different paradigm than saying, Oh, I'm going to sell tape at, you know, 20 cents less than my competitors because there's not enough money to go around. And so, you know, so I'm going to try to win the market by, by, by having people spend less or something crazy like that, which is all scarcity focused. Mm. The world needs more of an abundance mindset.
0: I agree. Can, can I ask you then as sort of, as we, we wrap towards the end of our show and I'm I'm very thankful for your time with us today and, could you just tell us a bit about how you sort of maintain your own well-being? Like, what what are some of the things you do? Yeah,
1: meditation, meditation, exercise, and now I'm no sugar, no caffeine, no alcohol, no gluten. Oh my god, which it makes stinks. no fun. <laughs> so, so I say
0: plastic free. I, I've done alcohol free as well, but not in sugar. So that, is that like a ketogenic diet that you're sort of after there, or is it? No,
1: no. It's just that I that I'm trying to maintain. My, I want to, I want to increase the the quality of my sleep. Mm. And um and inflammation, and you know, because I exercise so much as a year like I got I only I'm 52 and I'm waiting for a double hip replacement. Oh my god. So, you know, so that, and then my shoulders are a mess, and my knees are a mess, and so my body's inflamed, so I'm trying to fight that too. So sugar, and then on top of that, by the way, by the way, this conversation has to be said. Look at all of the packaging. Look at all of the degradation in the environment in the ocean. Look at all the bottles, all of the crisp packets. What do you think is the most common ingredient in all of them? Inside, not the package, but what was inside the package? Sugar. Sugar is as as big. <laughs> We've become addicted to the degradation of self and the environment. So highly addictive. Look at all the that. it is as big of a contributor to the environmental degradation as it is to the degradation of our health.
2: Mm.
0: Um, do you want to help save
1: the planet? Give up sugar.
0: Yeah, man. I'm. Do, do you know what? I, I think people. I don't think we realize what what sugar is actually doing in in it, all of its forms. And I'm. Um, I I think I well I'm dyslexic and I'm also um I think I'm ADD. I don't I've not had it diagnosed but maybe that's just maybe me just you know I'm I'm, I'm yeah. someone who yeah, yeah. I'm a bit I'm a bit all over the place sometimes. I have found though in my own experience as I've cut sugar out of my diet that my god like my my level drops like I'm I'm much more calm and focused and clear. My wife will say exactly the same. And until and that point I think we are we are. I think absolutely right. I mean, sugar is, from a health point of view, from a well-being point of view, many people could learn the price that you pay with a high sugar, high carbohydrate diet, and um, what you can unlock in yourself if, um, if only you sort of can learn a bit of um, restraint. You know, uh, I, you know, if you ask me how I've applied the stuff from from stoicism, it would be this idea of. You know some action and some restraint you know learn how to sometimes cut stuff out to to actually get more yeah, in. When you're in the midst of the addiction very difficult yeah I, I i hear that actually and i'm still i still struggle with it you know sugar alcohol you know caffeine. yeah absolutely everything caffeine i love coffee i drink loads of it um <laughs> but yeah it's all of these things right you know um,
1: well that was a big hack too like i, I drink loads too but just caffeinated decaf ra- rather now mm right so I, and it was the first week and i understood how how fatigued i was and what caffeine was doing now i can w- i wake up and even you know, if i'm tired and i've only had a few hours sleep i'm still totally functional yeah i feel foggy but i'm not depleted mm. without caffeine I, I highly recommend giving up caffeine oh my goodness that is the most widely circulated central nervous stimulant in society oh my goodness mm. So, highly addictive as well. Like, give it a week, give up sugar, give it any. I've had profound impacts in my life.
0: I could definitely recommend for your information if you could try a ketogenic diet. um, I'm something I I actively, and I fast as well. I don't know if you do any fasting as part of your, your routine. Um, but I'm, I'm now, as I'm getting older, I'm 40, turn 40 this year, um, feeling the aches and, and pains of, you know, sort of getting a little bit older. Um, and I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, finding, yeah, <laughs> well, I'm finding a regular fast is actually helping a lot of that. So, um, cool. My final question, closing question for you, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't do this for the, for the audience Two two questions, but if people listening, you know, in the audience are out there for the big world of financial services or big corporations, are looking a way that they could help you what what it could come and serve you and help in this mission what what could they do and and who would you like to reach out to you and Please ask whatever people could do to help. Well,
1: listen, it's not institution. Institutions are just you know, groups of people. So, what are the people who work in those organizations now that they're a consumer? Number one, of course, they're immensely powerful. They can walk into any stores, we communicate and demand regenerative products, regenerative packaging. They make a commitment. They understand that every time they buy something, they vote for it. They'll continue to produce what you're voting for. The world requires us to be a powerful movement that demands change. That's a human, no matter if you're at your home or in your office, for sure. There's so much you're so powerful as a consumer Mm. immensely powerful so be aware of the power that you have to influence and affect change powerful now the organization itself you know within banking like lombard odier the swiss bank that partnered with us they can't use material but they but they direct funds towards us they take their management fees and they and they, and through our, when we circulate them through our ecosystems, last year was almost a million dollar contribution. Wow. And so we've created bursaries. We give scholarships to children. So we put more, we put countless more children in school and the family returns plastic to pay for it. And ultimately what it does is it cuts down the tuition like in half. Or the paradigm of that, the other side of that is that the plastic is now worth twice as much.
2: Hmm.
1: So now it's like, oh, hold on a second. We only have to collect a very small amount of plastic. That means the plastic is worth dollars to us. Mm. So true diamonds. So that's one way too. Yeah. So in, you know, this, there's no end of engagement. There's no end of being able to communicate us, talk about us, have people know that social plastic is a category that they need to use us. You go to the website, go to plasticbank.com, enroll, be a part of our, our movement now you know on, on all of this we're we're still a startup like you know it's going to eat your startup we're we're in the tens of millions in revenue which is beautiful but there's so much for us to do so we're still learning as we go there's still finesse there's you know the newsletter can be better this that and the other but we're making
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about the newsletter so much keep doing your good work a I'll, lot I'll, I'll say to the audience listening i mean i've I've contributed to plastic bank and I think you can as a small organization or as a large organization come on and give some money. And then that helps as you've just illuminated to sort of yeah. basically subsidize the, the the price or improve the price, as you said. Right. So yeah, yeah, improve the price for the, for the, for the plastic. So um, yeah, please people, if you're listening out there in an organization and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to do something for Earth Day or you've done something for Earth Day previously and you're trying to do something in the office, then if you go to plastic um, bank site, you can see this stuff, right? And you can sort of contribute as a group or as an organization or whatever you want it to be. Um and then and then um I'm I'm gonna be leading here, David. So like, you know, I know that I've introduced you some people in the micro insurance area as well. Um and um and if there's anybody else in that space then then that might make sense, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, more
1: banking, more everything else for sure. Tons there. And thank you for being you and 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 creating this conversation with hey. And and even being in the conversation that in your authenticity of being plastic free and and the struggles with it, more people need to know that as well. It's a beautiful conversation. It creates the space. It allows people to make mistakes as well. So thank you for everything you're doing. So acknowledge you powerfully it's really good. Thank you,
0: David. Nice and God God knows I'm good at making mistakes, so I can I can um, I can embrace that one. Um and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna finish up with my final question because I, I don't feel like I've finished my podcast right if I don't ask you this one. Um but um okay. I mean I always ask like three books that you love or any books that you love, but I gotta feel like you know, you've asked me, so I would love like, you know, what, what you're working on at the moment cool. I think you enjoy? And
1: I I continue annually to reread the seven habits of highly effective people. Oh really? Okay. Okay. If, you, if you've not been through that, man, that is principle-centered life. That is, Plastic Bank is based on, on the principles of the seven habits. Highly effective. No question.
0: It's something you reread regularly.
1: Seven habits, seven habits for People, so powerful. Such an important book. Oh, my goodness. One of the books that brought me awakening um, was Michael Singer's The Untethered Soul. So I, I add that as well in the consciousness and the journey of it all.
0: Michael Singer's The Untethered Soul. Um, the Untethered Soul. So what's that about? Yeah.
1: Consciousness awakening, ultimately, it's the for what what was there for me was that it gave me the awareness that I'm not my thoughts, mm. and that most of us walk around thinking that we're our thoughts, but we're not. We're the ones who hear the thoughts. You're not the thought itself. You are the one who hears the thought. There's a comp- there's such a distinction mm. between the two. Mm. And when you believe the thoughts to be you, that's where angst and pain and suffering exists. I
0: heard a great quote to that effect, which was. Don't believe everything you think, uh, you know, and <laughs>
1: no, you're, you don't believe any of it because they're just thoughts.
0: <laughs> absolutely uh, Michael Singer, the Untethered Soul,
1: well, here, yeah. beautiful man. And then I'd stay in that realm because I think that, that my success in business has come from consciousness. And so I would talk about Eckhart Tolle's uh, A New Earth, it, just as I, as in my wisdom of life. And so Michael as well gave me meditation. That's where I was like, oh, meditation. What? Yeah, I remember being an entrepreneur, you know, maybe about 13 years ago, and I was at a seminar where there was this fellow who sold his business for half a billion, and I was like, oh, wow. And and the question was, what do you attribute that to? And he said meditation. I'm like, what? Like I was totally, what do you mean meditation? But it stuck. And I was like, meditation. Okay, hold on. There's some secret in the meditation. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm totally curious. So I'm like, okay, what's in that? So it took me a number of years to get to that. But I discovered that in my meditation, that's where life shows up. And, mm. and what I owe to the world is to, stay, to spend time in consciousness to get, find space outside of thought. And the more I do that, the more the world shows up. It's immensely powerful. Like, it's inexplainable in, in, in to me. But Yeah, it's hot. And then I'm going through the Torah, the, the Old Testament.
0: That's beautiful. As well, the, so the Old Testament of Torah, like getting some old wisdom, right, and seeing, uh-huh. seeing totally. totally right? so much like, like, crazy. Oh my God, people knew shit before we thought we did. There we go. Totally.
1: <laughs> <Crazy. laughs> what people for thousands of years. What?
0: <laughs> yeah, I I feel that when I read Marcus Aurelius' his this meditations and right? and Buddhism totally. and anything like that, you're like, oh wow, but, so people had it figured out for quite a while. We just forgotten it, right? Somewhere along the way, we've just. We got wrapped up in our Rolexes and and our iPhones and and our you know all that. Ego doesn't
1: want us to be happy. That's what I learned mm. from from Michael The ego does not want us to be happy. It's threatened. It dies in your joy. Yeah. The ego mind survives in your pain. And if you are on the precipice of joy, like in a good relationship or other things, you start to you know you, you, you manifest its destruction. that's the ego mind because you it dies. It's fighting for survival. Mm. And so much what we just talked about was the ego mind's fighting for survival. It wants to, it wants to discount all of those other mm. beautiful gifts. About you
0: know what? I, I will close it down. And I'll, I'll, I've heard that story in the, the War of Art. Um, it's a great book. Oh, uh, of yeah, of yeah. Um, I think I think Stephen Prestfield Prestfield, I think it is. But he talks about fear and how when you're an artist, that fear and that center is on it. And Dave, David White speaks also about how fear. Um, And resistance is actually a great, because when we're doing wonderful things, it comes usually from a very vulnerable place. And, and that sort of, that vulnerability is where we start to fear because there's something at stake. We feel there's something at stake. Um, So I, I, I really, I really um, feel what you're talking about there. Um, Well, you know, look, David, I've thoroughly enjoyed your time, our time together um, and talking about the things that we have and, um, I would encourage anybody who's interested to find out more about Plastic Bank to look you up on LinkedIn. Are you using things like Twitter and other channels?
1: Yeah, I find that some of them are more relevant than others. I haven't seen a lot of value in Twitter yet, but they, they can. Uh, but the, I'm always available at, David at plasticbank.com. Happy to share that. LinkedIn, for sure. Facebook, Instagram. You know, all of those things are nice if people want to have communications. But more importantly, I want them to go to a store and make change. I don't want you to spend time emailing me. I want you to go and make change and invite your friends and be authentic and be be the leader that the society needs you to be as well and go create the space, just like picking up litter. It's not picking up litter, it's having other people see you pick up the litter that creates the space for them to do the same. Yeah,
0: well, um, again, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your your work in the world and um, all the things you shared with us today. I definitely feel like you're a a brother from another mother. And so I'd like to thank you again. And um, I wish you all of the success with Plastic Bank. So thank you, David. Thanks,
1: Thanks for being here. Thank you. Before you leave,
0: I wanted to tell you about Exige International, which is our executive search business, which helps leading firms in the fintech and insurtech world find outstanding talent. Without your support as clients of Exige, we wouldn't be able to make the Talent Equals show. So if you need outstanding talent to help build your business, then please reach out to our team here at Exige. You'll not only secure great people, but through our 10% donation of revenue, we'll help secure the future of our planet's most precious habitats. So thank you and see you again on the Talent Equals podcast. So if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe or leave a review or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us. So thank you very much. We also have a newsletter on our website, talentequals.com, so you can keep up to date with all of the things we're doing here at Talent Equals and the amazing guests that we have coming up this year.